Well, good morning to the anti-camping crowd. Anybody, anybody like, no, I am not, I'm not setting up a tent. Well, welcome. If we haven't met, I'm Brent. I'm the campus pastor here uh, at Sumner and glad you are here. Uh, we're going to, last week we started a four and a half month journey through the book of Romans. And uh, we are going to be continuing in that today. And if you missed last week, like Thad said, I want to encourage you to go back and check it out um, either at openlife.church or on the app. But we're going to dive into this today. Uh, And what we've been looking at is this entire series. Like if you could sum it up in one giant uh, statement, it would be this. That the gospel is good news for broken people like you and me. Now, for those of us that maybe you're an insider like myself and you grew up in church or you've been around church a long time, it's really easy to make that sentence go, good news for people like you. (laughs) And we forget the me part. We forget that like, oh, it's good news for me as well. And we look at people and say, no, it's just good news for you because I already have it figured out. Like I'm I'm already okay, so it's good news for you. I've, I've got it. Thanks. But really, it's good news for broken people like you and me. And we both have to realize that we are all broken people, that every one of us is broken. And that what God does is He begins to put us back together. That sin has broken us, it's broken our hearts, it's broken our lives. And what God has done is He sent Jesus, He lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose again, conquering evil, death, and sin, and extending us grace and forgiveness and new life. And that's the brokenness that we talk about. It's good news for broken people like you and me. And so if you take your talk hand out today, I want to give you uh, our big idea as we, as we run through uh, Romans today, and it's this. God wants you to know Him, not just know of Him. God wants you to know Him, not just know of Him. Now, how many of you uh, are, are Facebookers? You're, you have a Facebook uh, account? Anybody? Good. There's just three of us. Good. So the rest of you, the rest of this talk has no premise for the rest of you. Like, just enjoy. Like, we'll, 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 we'll shoot some fireworks off in the parking lot. You can go out and watch that. Now, how many of you, you have a Facebook How many of you don't want to admit you have a Facebook? All right. Now, there's an honest moment here is this, is that chances are that you are friends with someone in this room on Facebook. Now, chances are also that there is someone in this room that pops up on the little section that says, people you might know or friends you might know. And every time you look at them and go... Ah, I, I, I don't really want to know all much about them. Uh, it, truth, isn't it? How many of you, you've, un, you've, un, you've kind of hidden somebody else's posts? Like you don't want to see them anymore? Like you, we've all done this, right? And now I, I went through and I have 533 friends on Facebook. That might be a lot for some of you. That might be not very many. But I went through yesterday, and I said, okay, I have 533 friends. How many of these people have I talked to in the last month? That number was 60. So I took out my family. That number went down to 40. 40 people, 8% of the people that I am friends with on Facebook, I actually talked to in the last month. So I said, I wonder how many, like, if we went a little deeper into this, like, it was a long day. Kids were everywhere. It was fun. I said, I wonder how many of these people that I'm friends with on Facebook I've talked to in the last six months. And like the number, like minuscule, like barely any. And it was this idea that like, I started looking at people and I'm like, how do I know this person? And it's like, and then you go to the, hey, you have seven mutual friends. And I'm like, who are their mutual friends? And I look at it and I'm like, Oh, like this person I talked to like eight years ago at a party when I first joined Facebook and they friended me and I've never seen them since. 
Like, and and we're friends though, right? And I realize that as I begin to look at more and more of this, is that it's such, Facebook's such an interesting entity because we can have so many friends on Facebook, but so few in our lives. That there's very, very few people that we're actually friends with, that we're actually close with. And that's what I begin to realize is that maybe our faith is a little bit like that. Maybe we know of God, like, okay, I, I know, like, when I was 12, like, my grandparents took me to church, and, like, like I showed up. I, you, you know of God, but you don't really know God. I've always found it interesting is, is I've talked to people, and I've talked to, to different people about their relationship with God and, and people of faith. A lot of people have said this, this comment to me, like, well, I don't know how I could be in a relationship with, like, an angry God like that. Like, he kills innocent people and does all these bad things, and, like, the Old Testament is just full of these horrible things. And I began to look at him and said, yeah, you're right. Like, there are a lot of, like, horrible moments in the Old Testament. Of maybe where we look at it and we say, well, God's not being fair. Or, man, that was really mean of God. And what we begin to realize is this, though, is that in those moments that we look at those things, are we really knowing God or is that just something we know of God? What's something you know of somebody? Like, I know that some of you go to the Bonnie Lake campus. I know that some of you have no idea who I am. Like, I know that some of you, I may have seen you before. Like, I'm like, man, that person looks really familiar. Like, we can go through that. And I, I know something about you or you know something about me. But does that mean you really, really know me? And I think what God wants to do is he wants to maybe change the, 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 the board here a little bit and say, okay, I don't want you just to know of me, but I want you to really, really know me, really know who I am. And I think as we dive into Romans, the second half of Romans chapter one today, I think you're really going to begin to see that God really, really does want to know you. And he really does want you to know him, not just know of him, not just like, I know there's God out there and I know he exists and I know like. I'm supposed to pray and like go to church every now and then and like behave a certain way. Like I know that's what God wants. What if you really, really knew who God was? That's what we're diving into today. And so let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. And uh, if you have a smart device and you, you're reading it, that's fine. If you have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen as well. And it says this in Romans uh, 1, 18 through 20. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. And so thought number one on your talk handout is this. God reveals himself to us. God reveals himself to us to us. I think there are a few places uh, around here that when you, especially in the summer, when you see the mountain that you're like, oh, you know, when you crest 410 right by the Dairy Queen and the mountains out and you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Or when you're in Tahala and you, and you go up after you're coming up the post and you pop up in the mountains, it's like the road just like looks like it's going right to it. When you're on the, the 167, 512 interchange, kind of going to Puyallup, and you see the mountain over across the valley, and you're sitting there going, that is so cool. How many of you, that you ever, how many of you have a mountain view, that you just, you just love it, and you just sit there, and you just look at it, and you're like, that is my mountain view. I love it. You know, and you're just amazed, like, every morning, uh, I, I check out my window, because uh, out our bedroom window, if I look hard enough, and I strain my neck hard enough, and the trees are right, and the wind's blowing just right, and the neighbor's house is just perfect, and there's no birds on the roof, I can see the mountain. 
And so, so I look out in, in, in the morning and I'm like, okay, what kind of day is it going to be? And sometimes I see the, the sunrise uh, there at the mountain and I'm like, that, it's going to be a good day. Like when you look around and you see the beautiful creation that around us and the beauty that, that is the mountain and the trees and you go to the ocean or wherever it may be and you look and you see these things and you stand there and you realize how small you are in like the universe where you're like, okay, that's really pretty and then like here's me and I realize how small and insignificant I am. When you begin to have those moments, do you ever think, man, maybe this is God trying to communicate to me? That maybe this is God saying, I love you. I'm here. That's what Romans is saying is that these invisible qualities of God, it's creation shouting to us saying, I'm God, I'm here, I love you, I care about you. The reason these things are there is creation shouts to us who God is. Do you ever think about it that way? Do you ever think that maybe that creation is God revealing himself to us? Because that's what happens. God wants you to to know him. And what he does is he communicates that by revealing himself to you. And you might not know God in a way, maybe you've never opened the scriptures or prayed, but you kind of looked around and you've seen the mountain or the sunrise or the sunset or the ocean or whatever it may be that just has struck beauty in you. And you look at it and you go, there's got to be something more. That something more is Jesus. That something more is God. It's God saying, I'm here. This isn't me. I'm revealing myself to you. It's God saying, please notice me. I find it incredibly interesting that God pursues us in a way that no one else does. That from the very beginning in the scriptures, all the way to the end, it's God pursuing you and me. That it's God saying, I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to be connected to you. And so many times in the Old Testament, God does things to try and show who he is to people. He does things that rescues people and saves people. And, and we see the, the Israelites who are God's people, the, the people of Jewish faith, are, are kind of winding their way back and forth to God. And they run away from God and they come back and they run away. And then Jesus shows up. And now it creates this moment where we can look and we can know God through Jesus. And sometimes we still run away. The whole scriptures are people, uh, God trying to get people back into relationship with him. Maybe that's what God is wanting us to do as he looks and we see the creation around us, that it's God revealing himself to us saying, I don't just want you to know of me, but I want you to really, really, really know who I am. As we continue in Romans, it says this in, in verse 21 through 23, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like people and birds and animals and reptiles. True, uh, thought number two is this. Truly knowing God leads to thankfulness. Truly knowing God leads to thankfulness. Uh, do you ever have that, that friend that you are just so thankful that you are friends with them? That like every time you spend with them, every time you are with them, like your soul just feels better? You have that friend that like, and they could be someone that you hang out with regularly, it could be someone that you, you see once in a while, but after being with them you're just like, I'm thankful for them. They're a good friend, they're good people, they're good to hang out with, I enjoy being with them. You have that friend? I think that's what God is trying to get to with us. I think that's how we begin to feel that when we really know God, it's just that, that heart of thankfulness that I really understand what God has done. Because really, understand this. Here's where we're at. When, if you were to rewind back to last week, 
What God is communicating is that there's good news for broken people like you and me. The bad news is that you and I have sinned. We've made our choices. We've made our decisions. We're separated from God. There's no way for us to be reconciled back to him. But because of God's great love for us, what does he do? As Jesus comes, he puts on skin. It's God with us, as it says in John chapter 1. He lives with us. He lives a sinless life. He dies on the cross, rises again. And all of a sudden, what you and I realize is that Jesus now, through our faith in him, there's a way back to God, that our lives are given forgiveness and grace and hope and love. And all of a sudden, you begin to step back and realize and go, this makes sense now. Because of what God has done, as I understand God through the person of Jesus, it all makes sense that my life is messed up, that it is broken. But what God has done is he's begun to put me back together, that he's given me hope when I was hopeless, he's given me love when I was unlovable, that he gives me forgiveness when I had none, that he gives me grace when I need it. When you begin to realize, you step back and you go, oh my goodness, how great is God? When I really begin to realize what God has done for me, We step back and we are so thankful when we really know who God is. It leads us to thankfulness. It leads us to being grateful. It's like that person that we hang out with and we feel better. You just leave going, I'm thankful I know that person. When was the last time maybe you just had a moment in your own life that you said, man, I'm really thankful that I know Jesus? When was the last time that was something that you said? When were you just really thankful that you had a relationship with God where you just sat for a minute and you go, man, I am glad I know Jesus. Not just know of God, but I'm glad that I really, really know him. Because when we really know God, it leads to thankfulness, a thankfulness that we don't really comprehend that well. It's this moment where we realize, man, without God, my life is broken and messed up. And so we say, I'm thankful for that moment. I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for God. When we realize that God loves us, that he wants to be in a relationship with us, we are incredibly thankful. And truly knowing God leads to thankfulness. Paul is writing to this church in Rome. And this uh, church has been around for a few years. And he's writing to uh, some people that are Jews that have converted to uh, Christianity. He's writing to... uh, people that were Gentiles who weren't of the Jewish faith who started following Jesus, believing that he's the Messiah. He's writing to highly educated people and incredibly uneducated people. And so he's writing to all of these different groups and uh, he, he's telling them how much he wants to be there and how he longs to be there. And then he starts writing the verses that we're reading. And it's interesting, as Paul writes, he tells them that some of them, they, they, they might be a part of the church, but they don't know God. Now this is where it's going to get really, really touchy for us. Because some of us will say, well, I go to church every Sunday, or closely, regularly. What's regular? I don't know. I show up when it's available. Uh, I know God. I show up, I show up to church. Uh, I pray when I need to. Uh, you know, I, I kind of know the songs that Dave's singing. I got, okay, so I got that down. I occasionally help out, like, once in a while. So, like, I've got this church thing down. Now, Paul is about to just explode your mind for a minute because he says, hey, uh, you know of God, but you don't really know God. And Paul is just kind of, he's not really like a punch puller, like he's, he's really just a, a, you know, here's the, the one, two. And that's what he's about to do to us. And so I just want you to just uh, buckle in your little seatbelt here for a minute. It's going to get a little bit of a roller coaster. 
But Paul begins to write to these people and he says, you don't really know God. Like struggling with the decision. Have you ever met somebody that struggles with decisions? Now, some of you, you elbowed somebody or you looked at somebody. Others of you, you have people on both sides of you and you want to elbow both. You just don't know what to elbow first. And you're like, I, I need, she needs to be elbowed. But he needs to be elbowed. And I don't know which one to do first. And you're sitting there and you're uh, like, you have all the, you know that they struggle with information and you are, you're it. The one that right now is struggling to elbow somebody, you're the one that we're about to talk to here a little bit. All right? Because you want to elbow somebody, you want to elbow both people, but you want to make sure it's the right elbow, right? That's, that's kind of where we're at here. Uh, I'm not talking about the person that like struggles with making decisions when like, hey, what do you want for dinner? Like, those people are the great, I'm one of those people that like when someone says, hey, where, do you want to go out to eat? Where do you want to go? Or what do you want for dinner? I don't care. I Literally, I don't. If it's edible and it's not going to kill me, put it in front of me. I'll eat it. Right? I've never avoided a meal in my life. Okay? So I'm not going to be the one that's going to be like, you know, this sounds delicious right now. Like, it's not me. Some of us, though, beyond just the usual, like, well, what do you want for dinner? What do you want to eat? Like, some of us, we really struggle with decision making. Like, we can have all of the information right in front of us, and it's all right here, and we're sitting there going, I just don't know what to do. I don't know. It's like, it's either yes or no. Like, it's either you go left or you go right. It's almost like there's a T in the road, and the road is stopped, and there's one of those arrow signs that points both ways, and you have to go left, you have to go right, and you're like, I don't know. This is a tough decision. The road says I have to go left, and it has to go right. I don't know where to go. Some of us, we get paralyzed by information. Paul, he starts talking about this foolish idea and this foolish people. And he says this in, in verses 28 through 32. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned, uh, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, uh, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. It leads us to thought number three. You don't need more information. You don't need more information. We're kind of at the point where information doesn't really help anymore. Like, some of us, our biggest like paralysis when it comes to acknowledging God, our biggest paralysis when it comes to following Jesus is this idea of information. Like, if I follow Jesus, what's it going to mean for me? Like, what's going to happen here? And you can gather all the information that you want to and still not know God. And still not acknowledge God. And that's what Paul is writing to here. He's saying, listen, some of you guys, you know it. You know the truth. You know God. You really know God. But you're choosing to do all of these other things that God just says, I'm out. I I, I can't be a part of that. Because God is holy. We are not. And when we choose to sin, it separates us from God. For some of us, we say things like, well, I just need more information. Like if I just have some more information, if I just really know all the information, I'll be okay. You don't need more information. What you really need to do 
is make a commitment. Because listen, the issue with us, it's not an information issue. It's not that I need more information. Really the issue is it's a commitment issue. It's saying, I have all the information. I know what it means to follow Jesus, but I don't know if I want to commit my life to doing that. Now we have to realize, here's the big thing. That these people are part of the church. They're together. They're with Paul. Paul is writing to these people that are in the church, that are part of the church. And he's saying, you still don't know Jesus. It doesn't matter how many times you show up. It doesn't matter how many times you serve or how many things you do. He says, you still are missing the key fact that you refuse to acknowledge God. It's this moment where we have to sit back and go, whoa, wait a second. Is that me? Am I refusing to acknowledge God? Am I at a moment in my life where I'm saying, oh my goodness, am I acknowledging him? Well, I don't have all the information yet. What happens if I do? And we're gathering, trying to find more and more information and more about God and really God saying, you don't need any more information. You see, here's the catch. It doesn't matter how much knowledge we have if it doesn't go to our heart. That's the catch right here. Because this 18 inches is the longest 18 inches and the longest 18 inch commitment you're ever going to make. You would think that it would be so easy, but really so many of us, we know about God, we know of God, but in our heart, we really don't know who God is. And all of a sudden we have to step back and we go, okay, I have the knowledge of who God is, but do I want to put it in my heart? Because once it goes into my heart, Things begin to change in our lives. Our lives begin to look differently because we can no longer live with this information in our minds and then go into our hearts. If it gets into our hearts, it changes who we are. And so really, it's not that we need more information. It's not that we need to know, okay, what's my life going to look like if this or if I choose to follow Jesus or what if this happens? You don't need more information. We need to just make a decision. And that's where we're at today. Do we need to make a decision? As the band comes, I think this is the greatest thing about God. God does not leave us confused and questioning. God actually eliminates the confusion. He takes it right out of the equation. And he looks at us and he says this. He says, you and I cannot be together because of your sin. And he says, there's a gap between us. You are not holy, and I am holy. And he says, I'm going to do something that takes care of this gap between you and me. And Jesus comes. He dies on the cross for our sins. He was the substitute for us. It says later in Romans that the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. We're going to get to that point in a minute. We have to begin to realize that the separation, God said, I'm going to take care of your sin, your punishment. The punishment for our sins is death. And Jesus says, I'm taking care of it. And he steps in between us. He says, it's done. It's paid in full. There's no more debt there. And so what we, our response to that is that Jesus steps in and bridges us back to a holy God that offers us grace and forgiveness and eternal life and hope and all these other things that are just amazing and marvelous. He begins to put these things in our lives when you and I make the commitment to step into faith in Jesus and say, I believe that Jesus is my savior. I believe that he's died for my sins. It changes the whole game because we go from, well, I know about God. Do I really know who he is because I'm invested in his son. I believe in faith through his son, Jesus. 
It's a game changer. It changes all things. You and I don't need more information. We just need to make a commitment. We need to make a decision. And God eliminates the confusion. It's not like he says, hey, there's left and right. He says, there's me and there's not me. And the word abandon shows up a lot there in Romans chapter 1. That God abandoned them to their thoughts. That God abandoned them to their way of living. And I don't think that word abandon, it, obviously it means to leave. That God leaves us. However, I don't think God leaves us in the sense that he completely ignores us and never again. But he abandons us to the consequences of our choices. That when we choose to say, I have the information, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Or I have the information, but I think I need a little more. God says, okay, I'm going to abandon you to your choice. That if you choose this, that's fine. That's your choice. But I'm going to be right here. And when you are ready to choose me, I'm still here. God doesn't walk away from us, but he says, you get to choose. I love what it says in Romans 3, 22 through 24. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Our action point today. Make things right with God. Make things right with God. What do you need to do to make things right with God today? Maybe for some of you, it's you've got the information and now you need to say, okay, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Like, I'm going to take it from my head, I'm going to put it in my heart, and I'm going to believe that Jesus has done what he said he'd done, that God is who he says he is, and I'm going to live out this person of Jesus. I'm going to commit my life to following the ways of Jesus. Maybe that's where some of you, you need to make right with God today. Maybe there's other things that are in your life that you've gotten the information on that maybe they don't honor God, or maybe they're, they're just kind of different from God, and you're a follower of Jesus, you're in it. You're on the mission. You're ready to follow Jesus. You are following him. But there's things in your life that maybe are sticking out that you need to say, okay, I need to make that right with God. Maybe it's a relationship with someone. Maybe it's a choice. Maybe it's a decision. Maybe there's somewhere in your heart that you need to begin to look at and say, I need to be made right with God, that I have the information and God wants me to know him, not just know of him. And I have all the things that I need to do. I just need to make the decision. So what do you need to do to be made right with God today? That's our question. That's what we're going to kind of take a few minutes and we're going to look at. And for those of you today it, uh, that, that maybe you want to say, you know what, I'm going to make the commitment to follow Jesus. On the back of your connect card, there's a place for you to check that. We want to know that because we want to connect with you. We want to help you connect with Jesus more. And so maybe for you, as, as I pray today, maybe for all of us, maybe as you, as you respond, as you think about what do I need to do to be made right with God, as you begin to think about that question, maybe there on the back of your connect card today, you just write down, you know what? This is what I need to do to be made right with God. This is the thing I need to do that, that will make me right with God. And remember that God's already paid, the, that Jesus has already paid the price for your sins. You're not going to earn that. But maybe it's this idea of saying, you know what, I need to fix some relationships. I need to learn to be more forgiving. I need to learn to accept God's grace. Maybe that's where you begin to make yourself right with God. Is that you look to God and you say, okay God, here I am. 
I know that this is wrong. I know that there's parts of my life that aren't pleasing to you, so help me turn it around. Help me give this to you so that you can give me the grace that I need, the strength that I need, the hope that I need, the tools that I need to follow you the best way I can. Maybe that's what we need to do today. So what do you need to do to make things right with God?